welcome. We invite you to open up your minds and your hearts. And join us, for I am not that. Liberating the self from the self. And now your hosts, Tezra and Koa. Hello, everyone. Um, this is Tezra. And I'm Koa. And, and we are the co-host of I Am Not That podcast. We have the honor and privilege to meet and have on our show. Um, I, I want to make sure we pronounce it correctly. That's Leticia. Yes. Leticia yeah. Latino Van Splinter. Splinter. Yeah, my husband's last name, nobody gets it right. Not even me, but that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here with both of you. Beautiful. So um, as we were doing some research on you, very fascinating, very fascinating story and background that you have. So I first wanted to understand Leticia Latino, that is your last name. That is my last name. Yes. And your parents are Italian? My parents are Italian. Yes. My both, both of them. Yeah. But you were raised in Venezuela. I was born and raised in Venezuela. Yeah. So it's funny because my name, it sounds so Latin and people say you're a Latino and Latina. And it's kind of true, but the, the, the last name is really Italian. And, you know, the, the region where Rome is in Italy, it's called Latina. That's the name of the region. Okay. So, you know, it's, uh, it's yeah, but it's, uh, it, it works very well for me because it can be a lot of things. <laughs> yes, it does. It does. It has a mystery to it, too. So, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, we have the esteemed Leticia Latino with us today. Um, she is the CEO of Neptuno, um, a company that her father started back in the early 1970s. And I think she became the CEO in 2012. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2017. 2017. I knew it was 2012 or 2017. Um, she has won a plethora of awards, ladies and gentlemen. So this <laughs> lets you know what a powerhouse that she is. Um, we can get into some of her awards later, but uh, yeah, they are some pretty impressive awards. I just want to mention one is um, the 2019 Award for Transformational Leader Award by CIO Look. Yeah, And just the title of that alone says so much because it's all about the transformation. Um, so that's a beautiful thing. And I, and I know that you took your family's company through a transformation. Yeah, thank um, you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm very committed personally and professionally to being an agent of change. So I try mm-hmm. to bring that transformation into, into whatever I get in contact with. Yes, and then she also has a very... A riveting podcast, um, Back, Back to, to Basics. basics. Yes. 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 Um, Thank and you. Her well, cat very similar in format, you know, when I saw what, what yours is about, we're kind of on to the same, to the same kind of conversation. So I was excited uh, to get invited to yours. Right. And so when we were listening to your podcast last night, I, we got so excited. I'm like, yes, She's going to be perfect for the show. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. absolutely. So, um, so we'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience um, and whatever you want to add on to what we have already said. Well, no, thank you. I think you, you cover uh, good ground there. Um, I try to present myself as a little bit of everything. You know, I, I hate the labels of I'm this or I'm that. 
And, uh, you know, initially, of course, uh, I'm a woman, I'm a mom, I'm a podcaster, I'm a wife, I'm a CEO, I'm an agent of change. And, uh, and yeah, I just um, don't like labels too much. And uh, I guess it goes back to the to the background, as you said. You know, I was uh, my parents, as as you mentioned, they're Italian. So my dad was about, I think, 24 when he left Sicily. You know, Italy was heavily hit after Second World War, and and he was a young guy, and there, there wasn't a lot. There weren't a lot of jobs there for for them. Uh, you know, in the 50s, mid 50s, and so you know, there was always the people saying America, in America, things are better in America. So he got on a ship and he went to Venezuela where he had some relatives, uh, Italian also that had gone there looking for opportunities. And, you know, he saw that there, there was so much to do there. Um, and so he said, I'm going to make some money. I'm going to go back to Italy. And he kept saying that. And then every time <laughs> he went back to Italy, as anybody that leaves their home and, and where they're from, you know, you once you leave, you never return to what you left and yeah so I guess he suffered he had been tropicalized as I say <laughs> and um and so he went back to Italy he loved that but he said but I love Venezuela the weather was a beautiful country and so it was in one of those trips going back and forth to visit family that he met my mom and in three months as he as he would say in three long months <laughs> he proposed and got married and took her to Venezuela well, he has to say long, so it doesn't seem so short. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like three long months. So, well, and so my mom got to Venezuela. You know, I always admire how she did it because she didn't know anybody. She didn't speak the language. She didn't have any family. And in those times, you know, they communicated with their family either through letters or I remember, you know, the every 15 days they would call the family because the phone calls were expensive to call mm -hmm. Europe. And so, you know, I, I always tell my mom, wow, I, I'm amazed by how you did that. And so that brings an interesting dynamic because I'm fully blooded Italian. My, you know, you raise your kids as per your culture. So as I grew up, I never grew up with a Venezuelan, you know, tradition and culture. I, I grew up more Italian. So I kind of didn't fit in in a way, because I was called the Italian or Mafi from Mafiosa because my parents are from Sicily, uh, coincidentally. Mm. Um, so everybody knows the Godfather and they relate to that. And so I never, I never feel that I could say I'm Venezuelan because it doesn't necessarily represent my culture and my background. And uh, so that's always an interesting point. And then I came to the States. And of course, here I'm considered Latin for most people that yes. know that I was born in Venezuela. They don't even know the other part of the story. So it's interesting. And then I, I married a Dutch guy to make things worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we learned that. Yeah. So I, I have a, I have a Dutch husband, two, two American kids and, and this crazy situation. <laughs> So it's a beautiful mishpash of yes, things absolutely. because I was going to say, I was thinking that because I, you know, your accent sounds very lat Latino. Yes. absolutely. So I was going to say that I think you probably fit very well in Venezuelan because, you know, now do you speak Italian? Yeah. Yeah. Because at home, that's, that was my first language. That's all they spoke. Before I went to school, it was only Italian at home. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And we so, will go back. We go back every summer. So I spend I spend my summers. I, I've this one COVID COVID year, I think is the third third year in my entire life that I don't spend. I don't go back to Italy for the summer. Oh, wow. OK. 
Yeah. So you speak Spanish also from yes. growing up? Is that okay? Yeah. Good. Okay, good. So you started going into your upbringing because that's where I wanted to start your humble beginnings. Um, so how many brothers and sisters? I have, have an older brother and a younger sister. And okay. uh, my brother still lives in Venezuela with, where my parents, believe it or not, they, even if there's a terrible political situation in Venezuela, they have resisted to leave and, and they are fighting the fight instead of going back home to Italy. They love the country so much that they say, no, we're, we're fighting it on. And I have a right. sister that lives here in Miami with her family as well. So do you think that by you being a middle child, is that where you get your fiery spirit from, your independence, that, uh, you know, that fortitude of just not taking no for an answer? Like, where do you think that that came from? I definitely like that theory. I, I've heard the theory about the middle child and I, I totally saw it. That, like my brother, you know, being a you know, the Italian Sicilian is very macho culture, right? Although my dad, I have to say, is very developed for a few things. But, uh, you know, the man of the boy of the family had always got a lot of attention. And then my little sister, she was the little one. And so, right. yes, I was always the one that had to fight for attention. Or And they were both, believe it or not, blonde, green-eyed. And, uh, you know, I'm, and, and I'm, and I'm brown eyed and all that. So they always got a praise about, oh, how beautiful. And, <laughs> and I was always the one with good personality. They would tell, oh, you have a good personality. <laughs> yeah. You were the social butterfly, as you say. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I think the middle child definitely has to, to make its own inroads to, and, and to make themselves heard. Yeah. And you said that leadership was just kind of in your DNA. Like that's just what, you know, your passion is. It just comes so naturally to you. Yeah. I think I definitely had to give credit to my father there. Uh, that whole having known where they come from, the little town they come from and arriving to Venezuela with one suitcase, not knowing the language, not knowing and creating the company he created with no college degree. Um, you know, it's always something that I saw from very little, like if you want something and you go for it um, and you have, I have to say, some practical approach to how you pursue your dreams, because pursuing the dream, there's many ways to pursue a dream. Right. But if you have an intentional and practical approach, then definitely you will see results and everything is possible. I think I got that from my dad, that everything is possible if you want it. Yeah, so so he the the company he started. I was just want to briefly touch on it because there's so many things we want to really get into with you that are super juicy and sure. uh, a lot of spiritual and all this, the the good stuff that we were listening to last night. But I just want to briefly touch on it. Was it was it a steel manufacturing company? Was it like he started off in Venezuela? That was the company that was that was That's started. It. Yes. So he started um, helping in the electrical utility lines when there was no electricity. So he got involved in a company that did that. And then he saw the opportunity for telecommunications and he started, you know, the companies wanting to de develop cellular networks and wireless networks. And he saw the opportunity and started installing those and then started building those and bit by bit really started doing the whole thing. So um, yeah, we, he, his company has installed over 10,000 telecommunication sites in, in the Americas. Mm. 
That's awesome. So, so I, I get, I can see how you say you get that that spirit of just being a go getter, and if you see opportunities, you you can just jump in and really take advantage of of those opportunities and not hold back. So yeah, I, I yeah. see that uh, why you flourished uh, so well. That that's a great story as far as your family's business just raising up and then being able to switch with the times and, and take advantage further of, of telecommunications. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. People say he wasn't an engineer, but you know, my dad always say, if I don't know someone, I find the best and hire yeah. them. And yeah. that has wow. always been his policies. You find the best, someone you trust personally and professionally, and you hire them. And that's what he did. And, and, and you treat them well. And most of the people that have worked for him have worked for him for 40 years plus. Mm. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So that's, that's clearly not only the um, that warrior spirit of, of just establishing a business. He's also really good at um, just establishing a connection with people because people don't hang around you if you, you know, they don't feel something, you know, that that, that connects them to you. So absolutely uh, fantastic really, um, human being. You have to be a good person. That's that's our the motto he instilled. And that's why I live by kindness, you know, be good to people because the world is very small. You don't never know when you're going to find someone that you didn't treat right. That is so true. And uh, and I remember reading that you are a big advocate of um, human, the human nurturing, the human connection. Yes. So that's where you you get that from. You had a you got it from the example of by your dad. Yeah. And, and, and believe it or not, if you see the Godfather, really Sicilians, that that human like that handshake, that word, you know, mm-hmm. even if in the movie is portrayed as something but the bad part is the mafia is the mafia. But, you know, when you have a commitment, you don't need a contract. You don't need to put it in writing if mm. you are the way we as humans are supposed to be. Your mm-hmm. word should be good enough. And, and sometimes yeah. it's sad that the world, unfortunately, we have departed from that. Yeah, that's uh, one of Don Miguel Ruiz's and the four agreements. That's one of the agreements mm-hmm. of being impeccable with your word. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. 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 Uh, let me ask this. Um, now, did, what, what were there? Do they have a, a, what you would call spiritual background? Like I know a lot of times there's religion and stuff like that, but was there, is, did you, besides that, that work ethic and that, that warrior spirit, you know, that you got from, him by an example. Was there also the spiritual side? Did you guys take that time to really instill that? You know, that's you a great that question. That, that is a great question thing because uh, they, my family is Catholic and they, I went to Catholic school from pre-K to high school and uh, all girls Catholic schools. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, if you talk a traditional, but, uh, and, and yes, they are, you know, they, but they're, I, I call it more like practicing almost by, by routine. My, my, I have to say my father is not like a spiritual seeker, you know, like sometimes I try to have conversations with him as much as I consider him my biggest mentor about this kind of stuff we talk and I cannot relate to him on that level. He's more, mm-hmm. he's very practical. So at that part, I think they gave me the tools, you know, by sending me to, to a, a school that was spiritual, because at this point, I don't think it's more about religion. It's about spirituality. And uh, they gave me the tools to then continue my own personal journey into, into what attracts me. And I, I'm, I'm very Catholic. I'm a practicing Catholic, but I'm very intrigued by other religions. You know, I read the Lai Lam. I've read all the books. Right now, I'm, I'm, reading, I'm doing a course by um, a, a Buddhist uh, 
teacher, a spiritual teacher called Ajashanti. It's called Resurrecting Jesus. And I don't know if you're mm -hmm. familiar with, but for any Christian to go to listen what a Buddhist, you know, trained person mm -hmm. thinks about right. it, but it's fascinating. So I always like to challenge myself like that. Yeah, but I think that's the beautiful thing about the spirituality, but because it, it encompasses all practices. Uh, you don't have to subscribe. It's not, it's not dogmatic in one way of studying. And it's very um, embracing of all of the avatars, of all of the spiritual you know, leaders. Um, so that's why we also are very attracted to the spiritual um, study and uh, practice. Um, so... At I Am Not That podcast, what we really aim to do is to empower people, right? To let people know that they do not have to live by the labels that you spoke of earlier, um, because some of those labels can come with a lot of limitations, with a lot of restrictions. And if you start to believe in those labels, then that's the life that you will begin to lead, a life of limitation and restriction. So at I Am Not That podcast, one of the things that we um, discuss is how to really liberate yourself, right? From the, uh, from the sufferings of society, what they say that you can and you cannot do um, in all areas, racism being the biggest one, um, but also gender differences and every other ism. <laughs> and so what I wanted to um, ask you was when you were coming up in the ranks, and becoming a female CEO, and also your book that we have to discuss as well. Um, what obstacles, because this is what your book also coaches women on doing, women who are in leadership, what obstacles did you face and how did you overcome those obstacles and not allow it to stop you from your endeavors of what you wanted to do with your life? Yeah, no, and you know, I think what your your podcast is doing is great and empowerment is, uh, you know, because even this conversation empowers me to, to you know, to keep going. But so, yeah, I, I face, I can tell of, uh, my fair share of uh, stigmas and labels, you know, um, being a woman in a telecommunication industry, which is extremely male dominated industry. Um, although I worked for several, several years uh, in different companies when I joined my family business. People were not saying, oh, where she, where did she end up? And they talk about the company. They say, oh, she's working for her dad. That's the immediate response. It mm -hmm. was never about mm -hmm. what the company did. It's right. just, I'm working for daddy. It's right. not important what the company does. And that was one that was really hard for me. Because mm -hmm. as you say, I'm an A-type personality. I want to be recognized for my worth. And so that was a label that I allow my, to to stick to me for too long you know that that in, i talk on the book about the impost imposter syndrome that it's something that you know 60 percent yeah. of people suffer at one point of the or, or other especially women and so you know it, it has taken me a while and it's a working process but i think the conviction to know what you are mm. because once you start if you allow the label to rule how you act you are almost validating the label Mm -hmm. So in, in terms of Latin, we get discriminated against too. So if I go from that perspective towards someone and, and put that first in, in front of any situation, then I'm already discriminating against myself because I'm putting, well, I'm Latin. So I'm already giving that as an excuse. And so it's, it's 
it, then it's impossible for the other person not to not to treat you that way. So I've always tried to forget about those things, don't even bring them up if I can, and just keep going. And then if they bring it up, you know, try to let it slide. Uh, by now I let it slide. It took me a long time to, to get there. At, oh my gosh. That is so yummy. What you just said, you know, that you don't have to live by the labels, you know, because if not, then you're just, you're really participating in you're an enabler. The discrimination. You're an enabler of the discrimination. Yes. Yeah. And so, and the way to take the power away from that person who is trying to inflict whatever that limitation is because of whatever characteristic that they want to choose for you, you you take away that power when you don't even give them an opportunity to, you know, let it play out. You know what I mean? Like you take the fire from it. Um, Because like when you lead with that, like you said, when you lead with that, then you're validating, you know, the, the, whatever the agenda or whatever their slant may be because right. of your ethnic background. Yeah. Or and your... you're going to let what you're good for shine. And then people, right. bit by bit, they stop, they stop hanging on to the other label. And now, and now, you know, that happened to me in telecom. You know, once I started speaking up more, sometimes I was afraid because I'm like, I'm the only woman. I'm not American. Uh, you know, even now that I'm doing more work recently, I was appointed last year by the FCC to be in a committee. You know, that was a big deal for me because I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm chairing, chairing the committee, something I never done in my life. Wow. I'm mostly men, kind of government related. And, and, and you know, I say if I let this uh, intimidate me, uh, then I'm going to validate everybody's opinion. But if I get there and do what I know I can do. Uh, you know, then everything will be okay. And it was a great and fantastic experience. So, so I think that we have to be mindful. That's where I'm big on mindfulness practice now is something I embraced during COVID. And I think that, wow, it's amazing when you see that thought coming to your mind. Well, let me say this, let me justify that, that I don't speak good English because I used to say that, well, uh, excuse me if English is not my first language, (laughs) you know, right. But then I already showed an insecurity rather yeah. than just speaking. And people say, well, she's not from here, but she speaks quite well, <laughs> you know, and she uses good mm-hmm. words and she has good vocabulary. So people forget. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's like you, you, it's so funny that the battle is mainly uh, with yourself inside your own mind. Yes. So it's like if you, you got all these things stirring around and these thoughts and then you bring it to life and then people, they see what you bring out. So that's that's amazing. We even have a, um, a uh, an episode that's called You're the Proof, mm-hmm. where we really want to talk about how you don't have to keep proving yourself or, or you know, to other people and just always trying to validate yourself through their eyes. And once you really get a firm grasp on who you are, you know who you are, you know what you bring to the table, that's proof enough. Like you are the proof. So that, that's amazing to hear you uh, talk about that and how it's really more of an internal battle than it is external. They'll take you as you give yourself. Yeah. So that's amazing. And I just wanted to uh, chime in real quick when you said that, you know, once you do what you're there to do, then your your talent and whatever you bring to the table shines and it outshines the external characteristics. And that happens in each and every 
a story where the person was deemed not to be, you know, the person to do that job or to be in that position or to hold this, you know, title. Um, but because they did not really buy into what the other people were buying into, be it their gender, their skin color, their sexuality, because they themselves didn't buy into it. That's why it didn't become an obstacle. Absolutely. And, yeah, and, and, and if you uh, act from that, from within those motivators, you're going to get done what you want to get done. And that's the other thing. Like people would see you. I'm sure, I don't know if this, we can share notes on this, but when I started my podcast two years ago, people were asking me, why on earth would I do a podcast? Like, are you crazy? And, uh, and what's it for? And how are you going to make money? And aren't you happy with your job? And all these questions. And I'm like, I'm doing it because I, I just am excited about it. And I'm just going to try. I had no good reason why I was doing it other than I wanted to do it. And I got inspired even by having these kind of conversations with people. And I wanted to be an agent of change. And now that, you know, to 80 some episodes later and amazing guests and, and, you know, now people is almost like they are taking it seriously now, but, but you have mm-hmm. to go through that period of darkness of finding people like you, like the two of you and other people I've shared this journey with that are on the same spiritual journey or podcasting journey that to support each other. I think that's really super important that you find the right people to take you through whatever experience you're going. And sometimes, as I say, sometimes I love my fa- my dad to death. And he's the most important influence in my life. But as I said, there are some things that when I share, I cannot share a good book of the ones I like to read because he will find it boring, to be honest. <laughs> right. And sometimes it's sad that you cannot share those things with mm-hmm. people you love. But you have to identify who's your cohort for your different dreams and just try to uh, surround yourself with them. Yeah, my spiritual teacher, she calls us the golden links. And the golden links are those that come into the spiritual path of the spiritual awakening. And normally we're the oddball out in our families. Yeah. <laughs> like the families don't know what we're talking about, or, you know, we're out often like, you know, airy fairyland somewhere. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we definitely now. But fortunately for him, for Koa, his father um, was also on the spiritual path. Okay. So his father, we can sit and have conversations because his father had a guru. The same guru as my spiritual teacher, actually. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Interesting. So, both parents, my mother also, they, they, both my mom and dad went to meditation and ashrams to, to meditate. And they, they, that was their thing. They dragged me to it. I'm like, what are we doing here? What are these people doing? <laughs> like, you know, they're swaying and chanting and I'm like, all right, whatever, you know. That's great though. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It really ended up being awesome. Obviously, I did not quite get it initially but yeah it's well it's, you got the amazing. tools is what i was talking about before it's you get the tools in your tool set and then you use them if you want and you don't use them if you don't want yeah so i want to speak about like where did you gain your inspiration as you were on your career path of you know something that's not popular for women to do especially in the industry that you're in was there a role model or where was your source of inspiration besides, besides your dad besides that yeah 
Yeah, it's uh, it's hard. It's um, you know, I just I it's a hard question. I've thought about this myself, you know, and obviously the obvious is uh I've spoken about my dad, my mom also being a housewife has been a great inspiration on, on compromising the professional life because people that know me, they think I'm all about work, which I am, but I'm super, super um, devout to doing the stuff that will be considered like, um, you know, for a feminist. I, I don't know if I'm a feminist, but I, I, I cook every day in my home, but because I love it. I take care of most of the house chores, but because it's how I was raised, you know, okay. to, to do that. Yeah. And it gives me pleasure to also do those things for my husband. You know, I know some women yeah. sometimes have heart attacks when I say this, but that's the example. <laughs> so I had the perfect housewife as a, as a, you know, role model on that front and the perfect entrepreneur on that, on the other side. So that's a, an interesting combination. But besides that, I just, uh, trust in my faith. I'm, you know, I'm, I, as I said, I have something inside of me uh, that tells me kind of where to go. My inner God is something more than mm. a role model. I've trusted myself to just be, stay true to what I feel is right for me. Um, and let me ask you this, um, because when your family um, develops a business and you come up seeing that, and even when it goes from one kind of company like steel to telecommunications, it's easy to come up in that. And then here you are working in that same field. It, like, did you ever want to do something else completely different than that had nothing to do with family business? Absolutely. Kind of I, I told my dad I would never work for him. That's what I told him. And it's true. And I never wanted to work for him for because I wanted to shy on my own. And I went into financial business and I went to work for Merrill Lynch for Merrill Lynch. years. Mm -hmm. And I really set up my career on a very different path. And then I came to the U.S. and did my master's. And the, the graduate internship that showed up for me was at Nortel, which was a telecommunications company. And so mm -hmm. I went and, and worked there. And, you know, it's like, again, life, you know, you trust yourself. And then that opportunity presented me and it was in the same industry, but I'm still thinking I'm never going to work for the family business. And then I work for someone else and for several years, and then you mature and then you see, well, if I'm working this hard for, for a third party, why not mm -hmm. do the same for, for my family's business? And, and I started to change the labels again, those labels and those things that we ourselves convince that I'm never going to work for the family business. I'm happy I allow myself to shed that belief because that was a, a, a something that got in my head somehow, but then I was able to get rid of it, luckily. But I also think that it's a beautiful thing that you did bulk at the family business in the beginning because you got exposed to so many other different experiences and in a whole nother life um, and information that you could actually bring back to the family business, because a lot of the times what happens is we just come we just get into a little bubble and not realizing there's a whole nother world that's happening outside of our little bubble and trends are passing us by. And, and so then you can become obsolete, you know, but so bringing your um, outside exposure to the business probably, you know, was a great help. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that this is the easy path. And I've realized that this has been the most difficult path for me, yeah. because if I would be working for someone else, 
believe it or not, I know I would have, maybe I would be making way more money with less responsibilities. Uh, people only see the positive, right? And we, mm-hmm. our company was based in Venezuela, is based in Venezuela. So we had 20 years of the worst political uh, circumstances that you can, anybody can imagine. Uh, we are, you know, our, our company, I mean, so many challenges, I cannot even tell you. And we have fought through it. So not to go under. So survival of the company is already the biggest achievement. But it's right. not like yeah. this has been easy. So sometimes people say you could go work for someone else. And, and I say, I would love to get a check that I don't know where the money is coming from. Because when <laughs> I have to pay our people and business is not good, that's all yeah. worries that you have on you. When you think your company can go under, that's a weight of the family business mm, on definitely. your shoulders. And so but people don't see it from that perspective. They all, always see, oh, you're your own boss. You work for the family and they always see the positive. But definitely there are a lot of challenges uh, that, uh, that uh, you know, it's a choice. But I'm there for my kids. No one fires me if I go pick up my kids at school. And I can, right. I can have the life I want just by making this choice. Right. And having that freedom of, um, yes. yeah, having to, you know, uh, frame your life the way that you want to frame it. So that's, um, it's always a pros and cons to everything, but with the challenges, um, what holds you up against the challenges? Is it your spiritual practice? It's, what gets you through? Well, you know, in a way, even the podcast, like I, I call it, or I read it somewhere, but it like resourcing, it's finding ways where you tap into your inner source of energy and that keep you going in the way you want to. So every time I feel I'm low on that, it's either, of course, I have my normal go-tos, which is my praying and and my family. And then through COVID, that's why I embrace mindfulness practice. It's something that I knew about, but I had never really committed to it. And coming into COVID times uh, with the multitasking and the kids doing online learning, I I honestly felt overwhelmed. And I'm not someone that overwhelms easily. Mm-hmm. And I say, okay, I need, I need to find something to resource myself. Otherwise, I'm going to be in trouble. So recognizing, A, that you're lacking something before it's, bad, it's too bad or it's too late. And, and I started, um, you know, a mindfulness program. It was like a month program on Soundstrue, by the way. And, uh, and that was a, a lifesaver. Like it changed my mindset and my perspective. And I started seeing things differently. And being aware of, okay, I want to get mad about this, but why am I getting mad about this? You know, mindfulness. And, and so, and the podcast too, when I feel that in the technology world that I live in, you know, I, I, we put towers to have connections. So imagine when I see my kids on the phone and my husband on the, it's like, oh my God, we are creating evil here. And uh, so it's like the way I could do to having these kind of conversations. When we finish this interview, I will be replenished because it's a fantastic conversation. And so creating an environment to have more of this, which I have created in my podcast, then that gives me where I need to be. So those are the kind of things I go to and they change and they're new uh, depending on the situation. Uh, no, that, that's, let me ask you this about the, your, your podcast was two years ago, mm-hmm. uh, about two years ago. 
Um, and so I'm wondering, were you, do you feel like you are always, you had a, a yearning or a spiritual connection the, your whole time? Or would you say there's a, a point when like your path started? Was there a certain book? Was there a certain thing that started to get you more and more into the spiritual game? And then that led to a podcast or were you like, since, since your whole life you felt connected? Yeah, well, uh... Again, going back to go, being raised Catholic, I people see me, that know me now. They think I was the kind of fa I came from the kind of family that goes to mass every Sunday. Nothing further away from the truth. As I say, my family was Catholic, but I would go to mass in school, but never like every Sunday I have to go to mass. These day, like it was recent, not recent, but it's been a few years. I go to mass every Sunday. I, I watch it online. Um, even if now I cannot go, I watch it every Sunday. I tell my kids, okay, mommy's going to see mass. And, uh, and because it, it, I realize something that I, I need, but it's more about the inner voice. So that, that was always there, but there's always an inner voice that say, I want more. And listening to that inner voice, not dismissing it, I think that has been the difference. I think some people, we all have the inner voice, but we are not in sync or or we don't tune in into that inner spiritual inner voice so i think it's there and i i like that because you were speaking earlier about resourcing yourself um and listening to that inner voice as you were just now speaking about and i think that one of the things that we get lost uh, because we are so you know, controlled by what goes on in society and what goes on in the news and, you know, what they're constantly pumping us with, you know, fear and hopelessness, that all of that stuff gets covered up. So that when it comes time when they say, oh, you can't do this because you're this, you're that or the other, we tend to believe that because we have been disconnected from that inner voice and we don't have a way of resourcing ourselves. So if we have a practice of resourcing ourselves, we can then see that, you know what, I have everything within me to do whatever it is that I want to do. Yes. And so then you become an unstoppable badass, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so it doesn't matter, like the, the color of your skin or your gender, it's not something to hold you back unless you give it power to hold you back. Yeah, to me, those are more excuses. There are, those are great excuses because mm -hmm. obviously that make the challenge even more. But we mm -hmm. all have it in us is the fear. When we speak, when we move from fear, we look for those excuses as to why I'm going to fail. And so yeah. we put it in front and we don't even try. I always say, I, I used to have a, a, a boyfriend that he said surfing was his biggest passion, surfing. And always talk about surfing, surfing, surfing. And uh, he had the opportunity uh, to, and we were friends before we, we dated. And he had the opportunity to move to California for a job. And I thought it was, a, a, you know, it's like a no brainer. You love surfing. You, there's the job. He looked for as many excuses as possible not to leave because his family was from Miami and he didn't want to leave Miami. Mm -hmm. So one day I told him, you have to come to terms with the fact that the passion for surfing is not so, so much, you know, it's not that mm -hmm. high. Because when you're really passionate about something, you're going to go after it. And if the opportunity no presents, you're going to jump on it. And the fact that you didn't jump on it is because you're using it as an excuse because it's nice to have that dream. Oh, I want to go surf. When I retire, yeah. I'll go surf. No, yeah. you won't because when you could do it, you didn't do it. <laughs> 
And so you have to come to terms with find another dream or another excuse why you're not pursuing your dream. Right. That is so powerful, Leticia. And when you speak, I know that you are a fearless warrior. So you, you know, there's times where you may get, like you said, overwhelmed, but those are very few and far in between, but basically your spirit is intrepid. So it's like when something comes up against you, it's like, I don't think the thing has a chance. Yeah. You know, well, trust me, I, I always say you can be down when things put you down. I always say cry, grieve, get drunk, do something, but give it a day or two and then move on. You know, I always yeah. it's because it's don't not, dwell in it. Don't, but yeah. yeah, I've realized through all this spiritual uh, uh, discovery that really I'm my biggest cheerleader. And I think that's one thing that people need to understand. If you are not your biggest cheerleader, who's going to be? We are on this alone. Life is a lonely journey, although we like to think we have people and family. The truth is, if you get sick, if you face a disease, when you go give birth, no one can do it for you. You are there alone. (laughs) Right. So you're basically saying that it is important for you to take responsibility of your own life because nobody else can live your life for you except you. Yeah, and cheering yourself and saying, if I want to do this, is you know, you cannot leave it up to luck because it doesn't happen that way. We like to think, oh, I can win the lottery. Really? I mean, yeah, you can, but the chances chances are, are, if you have a dream and you just say it, but you're not working towards it every day, then the dream right. is really not your, it's not that bad. You don't want it that bad, you know, right. uh, I think, because when you want things badly, you, you, you pursue them. Right. Now what, how, like, do you have any, um, any uh, advice as far as like the way you told that story about the, um, the guy who loves surfing, um, but then he found excuses to not follow that. Um, what about, do you have any advice as far as just turning passion into action? I mean, there's, there's a lot of times even I get stuck, I have these ideas and stuff, and then I just kind of get in my own way. Like, do you have any uh-huh. advice for just really getting, getting going, getting into action? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, paper and pen are the biggest tools we have. And, and you know, just to sit down and put a lot of thought into what is it that I want? What is it that I want? And, uh, and, and to write it because once, and then you write it and then you say, but do I want a big house? For example, I want a big house, but then you think, yeah, but I want to see the world and I want to travel. I mean, once you put it in writing, you will discover that there are a lot of conflicting things that you say you want, but then you have to keep dig- digging deep down to see what is it. And it's like the example that I work for the family business. And sometimes I say, yeah, maybe I should work for someone else. But then do I want to have a boss that calls me at 7 p.m., 8 p.m., 9 p.m., that expects me to work on Saturday and Sunday, that's not compassionate to my free time? No, I don't, because that's not the life I want. So I will make less money, but I will control my lifestyle. And I think we get lost in that. We say, oh, I want to be my own boss. I want to open a business. Yeah, but do you want to work Saturday and Sunday? No, no, that no. Well, then, then maybe you have to revisit exactly what is that you want. You know, with the Be podcast, with the podcast, I knew I don't have time for editing my podcast. Right? I know I have time. I can make time for interviewing my guests. I can fit that into my agenda. But if I have to edit the podcast and all, I can't. 
So I found an economical solution to edit my podcast. And then I know it's feasible. So it's not only writing down what you want, but also saying, is this sustainable? Can I keep going with this? And mm-hmm. then, because otherwise, you know, you're going to be a failure and you don't want to set up unrealistic goals. So once you see, okay, I can do this because I, I'm not going to start and then finish after three episodes, close down the podcast. Um, and so that's kind of my advice is really to put into paper. I, I, I've written a few lists that have been important. Uh, what I want in a man. And I found my, my husband on match.com and people cannot believe that, <laughs> believe it or not. But I put all the qualities. And then every time I saw a quality that is not what I want, it is not that you're going to dismiss it. But hey, if, if I want to have kids, I say, if I'm going to meet someone online, I'm sorry to be blunt. I don't want to find someone that has four kids already. If I fall in love with someone that has four kids already by coincidence on an airplane, fine. But if I'm going to go online. Online, right. <laughs> you know, am I going to start settling from the paper? No, you, you try to be more strict to what you want. And I think it's the same for other goals. And, and another book, at least, and I know I'm talking a lot, but that I wrote, it was with the 10 most, uh, the, the 10 things I wanted to do that seemed impossible. And this I wrote like 20 years ago. And one of the, the last things that I had put there, besides bungee jumping and scuba diving and playing the piano and learning French, which I did all of them, um, oh. I, I, it was uh, meeting Gloria Stefan, because it's my biggest, you know, I, I'm, I'm the biggest fan. You know that two weeks after I wrote it in the paper, I met her. And since then, I met her twice. And, uh, you know, just out of coincidence. So it's the power of manifestation. I really think once you write it, you're declaring to the universe that's what you want. Yes, and that's exactly it, Leticia. And congratulations on meeting meeting (laughs) Gloria as the fans. I love her. (laughs) I love her. She's she's a little powerhouse, too. She's She's a strong little woman. Yes, she's amazing. And uh, yeah, but it is the power of manifestation because when you realize that, then that is when you start to extricate yourself out of society's narrative, out of society's narrative of sexism, of racism, of, uh, you know, sexuality preferences. You begin to extricate yourself out of that, take yourself out of that whole narrative. Because now you realize the power of manifestation comes from within and that the universe is bigger than anything that in society can ever say about you ever. And he's and the universe is ready to give us what we want. We just yes. don't know how to ask. And that's right. going to your point is we need to know what to ask. A vision board has helped me a lot too. Mm-hmm. Where I work, I have a vision board of the things that are important to me, you know? And, and, and again, it's not only about work, it's family and what kind of life you want to have. And then every time you are diverting from that, then you know, because it keeps you true, you know? Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. That, That's an amazing reminder because I've used that tool before, but sometimes I've forgotten about it or I get away from it or I just I manifest in other ways and things, you know, they turn up, but I don't necessarily use that tool. But I really think that's a great tool. And that's funny. You talk about writing um, down a lot of things. I mean, uh, when you were talking about match.com, I was going to put this one on the spot. I, I wrote this one down. Oh, uh, really? Yes, she does. And I, I wrote down so many qualities that she has that that's what I was looking for. 
Oh. I, put it, I wrote it down. I kept it. I put it to the side and then just, you know, work on myself, work on my life and then attracted that. And I, I remembered it one day. I said, oh my goodness, I wrote a lot. I mean, a lot of different, like even details. I mean, like, you know. Well, they I, say I, that I, details are the important ones. Yeah. Very so specific. That, and yeah. even our vision board, we have to make a new one because we did all, like our, we looked at the board and we were like, we, we can we travel to that? We did this. We got a new place, a bigger place to live. We, you know, we upscaled that. Like, so we, we're going to make a, a new that's one. But great. That, that's excellent that you said that because when it comes to manifesting things, um, you just physicalizing, taking it from the thought form and the emotion and the thought um, realm, which is a reality, but it's not tangible it's not in the physical world like like for us to see to put it in something that that can be seen putting those thoughts in a form and then putting those form another your thoughts in the form of pictures like a vision wall either one of those it just starts bringing it more into reality or or making it become more tangible those are great great tools and i'm glad you, you said that and reminded me and reminded our audience and it's a hard exercise, you know, because I, I, when you go back to it over and over, you know, you, I, I journal too every night. I try now that I have, and that's also another important one. So you write it, it, it's important. When we started COVID, one of my missions was to create a webpage for myself because I was doing so many different things and I feel that no one label could, you know, so that's why my webpage, now you have the CEO, the mom, the the author, the podcaster. And when I was working on what do I put here? What what do I write about who I am? Because I none of these labels like convince me, uh, uh, reflect who I am. And that's how, why I say, well, I have to come to terms that what inspires me is inspiring others and prompting mm-hmm. change and helping them get unstuck. And so that's what's there as my mission. It has nothing to do with your job, nothing to do with, you know, with your family. It's what gives you butterflies. Conversations like these give me butterflies. So, you know, then you bring more more of that into your life. Definitely. And I wanted to mention, as you said, that the universe conspires with you when you want to live a certain life. And I wanted to share that and expound on that a little bit more with our audience, because we always think that, okay, so if the universe, if, um, you know, I'm not asking for this, then the universe is not conspiring with me, but the universe is conspiring with you all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's because we don't realize it. And so a lot of our thoughts may be because, well, you know, I can't do this because I'm this, right? Well, the universe will conspire with you and that is what you're going to experience. So you have to be very um, aware, like that mindfulness that you were speaking of earlier, being very aware of your inner voice and what are you telling yourself and what are you believing about yourself? Because that is where the limitation really comes into play. And I remember, do you remember that quote by um, Kobe Bryant when he said that people will try to limit your dreams, but you don't have to make a reality or something like that? Mm-hmm. But yeah, so- Yeah, it was, it was it, that, I can't remember the exact words, but it was that- people will always try to, they'll try to limit you. It's up to you to, to not allow that. Right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't remember the exact quote, but yeah, that was amazing. Absolutely. One of the, of the realizations that I came uh, after I left Nortel and, and I started working with the family business, I realized that a lot of people were not helping me the way I had expected that they would help me. And it, and they didn't mean bad. I don't think they were said to not 
not to help me. But I realized after several years when I kept going and probably they surrender, say she's not going to go away. So now we, you know, we have to help. <laughs> but I honestly think that sometimes you represent people's inability to pursue their dreams and that scares them. Yeah. Once someone, once you manifest that you're going to go after something and people are trying to put you down, right? Like writing a book, oh, of writing a book. No one believed me. And I didn't write it alone, but I, I, I found a way, you see, and you find a way done. to be part of a special project. And they put you down and, and say, why, why are you going to write it? Why are you going to sell it to blah, blah, blah. But then, because if you're successful, now you mirror their failure. You mirror right. their inaction. Right. And mm-hmm. that's scary because now they are exposed to like, oh my God, and now what I, why do I do? Right. No, absolutely. And also that's a good point because when you say, you know, what it is that you want to go for and they put you down, it's because they're also, they're filled with so much fear of to go for what they want. So if you're doing it, you give them no excuse not to do it. Exactly. So, you yeah. know, in order to get around that, then they'll try to discourage you and pull yeah. you back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so speaking of your book, your right. book is called Women in Business Leading the Way. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't get a chance to read the book, but when I read the purpose and the synopsis of the book, I thought, wow, this is a very game changer book. Because like you said, um, you know, it gives women knowledge. Like we take all of these courses and and these master classes and gain all this knowledge. But then once it's time to take it outside of the classroom, we're not prepared to. um, Those real life obstacles. Those real life obstacles. And what do we do with that? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you saw that pain point and then you wrote your book. Yeah. yeah, I had the pain point, but I have to say it was the publisher, uh, TNS Publishing, that got together 14 CEOs from women businesses, like my business we certified as a women-owned business. And then we say, why don't we do a chapter each, everybody with different industries, and share our wisdom so that people don't have to reinvent the wheel. And, and I fell in love with the project when they proposed it, and, and, and something very magical happened because all these, then we, ca- we form what is called the pink shoe sisterhood. They, the, the cover is a pink shoe. So uh-huh. I saw it, and I almost got upset. I'm like, a pink shoe? Really? <laughs> the best they could come up with? Talk about stereotype. And then, you know, it hit us. It's like, yeah, but we're feminine. And we want to wear pink shoes. And what's the problem with wearing a pink shoe? Mm. And so we actually kind of turn it around. Like we can be badass executive people and wear pink shoes. And you don't have to be a bimbo or you don't have to be, uh, you know, uh, uneducated or something like that with all the stereotypes. And and it forms a really amazing group of women that we're trying to empower other women to to be courageous Mm. as well and, and tell their stories. That's beautiful. So um, we're, we're, com- we're coming to a close pretty soon, but I know, I know we have a, a couple more things to to throw at you. I, I know my my wonderful co-host here has a, a, a fun question before you leave that she likes to ask. I, I, okay. I, I, I love that that part. But do you have anything else? We'll yeah. So you said um, when I was researching uh, you, you said that you can have good things come from bad situations. And I thought that that was so, um, I keep using the word powerful, but you're such a powerhouse that that's the only word that keeps coming to, to mind. But because when people do have bad situations, it tends to just knock them back. Mm-hmm. 
right? And and they're too afraid to get up, but not realizing that if you get up, something good can come out of this. So can you share uh, when you had a bad situation and what good came out of it? Sure. Um, and you know, and, and I wouldn't say you, you, you stand up. I say, you keep going, you keep going just the same way, show up every day. You don't even have to make a big effort. Just keep doing drip, drip, drip work and it will validate. Right. But, uh, so yeah. So when I, I was laid off from Nortel, which was an, an, an interesting experience when Nortel, uh, went down and they laid off a bunch of people, I took the money and I say, I'm going to France and learning French because it was on my bucket list. Uh, and then my dad say, what are you going to learn French for? What a waste of time, blah, blah, blah. Well, I learned French. So I joined the family business and my first deal that I was going to bring was going to be huge. And it was going to be through some people I knew. And it's a very long story. But basically, uh, we got involved through a scammer and someone that uh, basically made us build a bunch of towers. We had like $4 million invested into it. And the guy disappeared. Basically, he embezzled our money and he left. And and my dad, uh, you know, besides the towers we built, but we also gave him like money in the form of a performance bond. And um, it al- almost always makes me cry because my, my mom tell me when your dad gave him the money that we were requ- require as a company, he said, we're never going to see this money back. She- she's going to get burned. But, you know, being the faithful person I am, no, we're not going to get burned. I basically convinced him that it's a good deal. And I got burned and my dad lost the money that he knew he was going to lose. He said basically that uh, that he made a P- that I made a PhD and my brother learned from it. So he always very positive, right? He's like, we didn't lose the money. You learned your lesson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, uh, long story short, we were left with a big inventory of towers. Guess what? Someone reaches to our company in French asking if we have inventory. This was a few months later. And of course, my dad says that these people in French is probably phonies. No, no, no. We had enough phonies. And I went, I said, well, I know French. Let me respond. It became our best customer. We sold over 300 towers and we sold that project because we had the towers available. Like he, he, that customer said, I need towers now. Do you have them in stock? If I fly tomorrow to Venezuela, will you have, can I see them? Sure, you can see them. And so something amazing happened because I had learned French and because I had the towers from a very, very bad situation. Wow, look at that. That's amazing. Yeah, Yeah, it's a synchronicity. Yeah, it's the synchronicity. When you're in the flow, especially on your spiritual path, when you're on the spiritual path, you become to be in the flow with the universe. And, um, And so when things look like, you know, all is doom and gloom, but when you don't allow yourself to get stuck and identified in that moment, then look what can happen. Exactly. You don't stop reading the book when you hit two pages that say something you don't like. You keep going right. because the book right. is so much more. And so so is life. And we don't know what, what it's in store for us. So you just have to keep going and finding the tools to keep going. And really something great might happen around the corner of something very bad, you know. So just having faith, I think it's, uh, it's, it's very important. 
Yeah. Oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah. Because I, I hear from you, like we talk about if you get knocked down to stand back up, but you you totally are promoting action. It's like, okay, yeah, you stand back up, but then you keep going. You don't just stand up and stand yeah. there. You got to go and you say, yeah, that hurt. <laughs> and, mm. you know, and, and that was a very traumatic experience in my life, mm. even now. Mm. Um, now, the well, and, uh, but um, yeah, because you see these people and they he kept going on and doing the same to many other people in the in, in our industry. And uh, it's, it feels unfair. I think a lot of us, we have problems with, I'm a good person. I tell the truth. I stand by my word. And then someone comes, lies to you, blah, blah, blah. And then they make a ton of money and they do great. And you say, I don't get what, uh, how, how does this work? And I still people like that. Yeah. I'm sorry. It may appear that they do great, but usually there's a lot of energy attached to that that involves something that's not it's not right. It's not satisfying. Yeah. Things go wrong in other ways right. just from that kind of energy that you you keep using to try to be successful. So. And yeah, and the inner turmoil. Mm -hmm, the inner turmoil. Yeah. Inner, yeah, that that person is not sleeping well. <laughs> Exactly. No, now you he's know. in jail. Finally, he's about to be oh, sentenced well, on a, on a mega, go. mega international scam that he got involved with. Uh, so and after 20 years, after 20 years, there's going to be justice. 20 years. Wow. Mm, um, okay. And so in these last couple of moments, I want to get two questions in. Um, could you give us your, and I know it's going to be good. Could you give us your best piece of wisdom um, of how to go about pursuing your dreams and not allowing, you know, your external characteristics become um, an obstacle. How, what would you say to a person who feels like, oh, well, society won't let me do this or I can't do this because I'm this, that, or the other? Well, um, you know, it's the first thing is you have to believe in yourself. It's cliche, but we spoke a little bit about it. You have to be your biggest cheerleader. You have to convince your find there. I'm sure there's a case of someone that wants to do exactly what you want to do. That's on your same category. Mm -hmm. And they did it because they didn't allow the, the, you know, to block their dream. I'm sure you can find a success story and get inspired by it and say, if they could, then I can. And, uh, you know, Michelle Obama is great at this. I mean, she's so inspirational in everything she says. I just saw an interview and, and I mean, and she says, if I could do this, anybody can, you know, and uh, so finding someone that's successful and just being your, your best cheerleader and keep true to yourself, keep true to what you want. Yeah. So it's, it's conjuring up that self-belief. Um, because a lot of people, society beats you down so much that people have self-doubt. So, so how would you, what would you say to people who have self-doubt? You know, it's a, it takes work. It takes work to prove yourself wrong into what, you know, and I mentor young women as part of what I like to do. And, and I understand there's a lot of like skepticism and things, you know, but you do small things. Also, I think you have to break down your dreams into, as I said before, things that are achievable because that's, mm -hmm. it's like a diet, you know, no one wants to go on a diet until you, you lose the first pounds, you lose the first right. pounds. And then you're like, oh man, yeah, this is great. <laughs> yeah. It's really hard to get them out of the diet because they don't want to lose what they have done. So it right. takes with one action, you know, pick one action that it's manageable, that doesn't feel too heavy, that is realistic. And then you're mm -hmm. going to start gaining that confidence. You know, if you are not a public speaker, find 
give a speech among your family and just get that confidence that, oh, I can do this. You know, this is not that bad. Go on a podcast, you know, something that yeah. small actions that can start convincing you that you are wrong yeah. about yourself. Mm. Mm. That's very good. Wow. And I also like the the advice that you gave to your boyfriend, the surfer. I think that it's very important for a person to be radically honest with themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, don't say it just because it sounds good and it perks people's ears up and it piques their interest and they say, yeah, go for it. But then you really deep down inside, you really don't have the passion for it. Mm -hmm. So I think that being radically honest with yourself too is, um, is something that can help you um, because if you're lying to yourself, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Some people, I want to be a great guitar player, but then they play for 15 minutes and they get tired. Then you know, <laughs> like find what you spend hours on, and you don't realize that you spend right. hours on, and that's your passion. Yeah, you know, that's what you should be investing time with. In, in the one thing that it doesn't feel like it's a lot of work because then we right. fall in love with these dreams that mean there are a lot of work. And unless you're truly passionate, you're not going to get there. Um, and, and, you know, I want to be a doctor and the kid doesn't like to study. I mean, you know, that's <laughs> not going to pan out well unless there's some radical change. But there's many careers that maybe are more attuned with that with that personality. So I think that we also, and as parents, I think that's also important that we we guide. I think the the, the role of parents into into steering the that personal growth, I think, is very important. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I just want to before we close out with my last fun question, I just want to um get you to um if there's a favorite quote that you have, mm -hmm. and then tell people how they can get in contact with you. Okay. And also oh. the name of your, go over the name of your book again and where it can be, it can be purchased. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. So what my personal quote, um, it's actually something we spoke about, but it's from the alchemist is when your heart truly desires something, the universe conspires so that you get it. And it's, uh, that's my favorite book, The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. And, and that is so uh, very true. Yeah, and um, and uh, so you can learn more about me at www.leticialatino.com, which is my name. And uh, there's my book, which is called Women in Business Leading the Way. It's an Amazon number one bestseller. You can buy it there if you're interested. And uh, all the links to my podcast and, and, you know, what I do are on the webpage. So that's really the best place to go. Yeah, and I really um, encourage our listeners uh, who listen to this podcast to also listen to yours because I'm really, I have a new podcast to listen to now. Um, I yeah, because you listened to your last one with Tammy Simon. Yeah, that's, that was a really that's my good, biggest episode because she's amazing. Yeah. Yes, yes. That was really amazing. That was a really great episode. So now I have a new podcast to listen to. So thank oh, you yeah, for that. Me too, me too, because I can tell that uh, that these conversations are, are also going to be good for me. So you, you gain a subscriber too. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Um, so I really appreciate the fact that we have um, shared kindred spirits um, as in having that go-getter um, spirit and not letting anything get in your way. Thank you for your inspirational talk that you gave and your share. Yes. 
um, because it it fueled me. Yeah. You know, it fueled me, and I and I love when that happens because we're here to help each other, to usher each other home, as Ram Das says. Um, so it's great that you are in service to us in that way. Um, and, and vice versa, because I, I, I really appreciate the conversation. Oh, yeah, that's very inspiring. Yeah, like just even personally, it's like we, we get on this to interview someone and, you know, like get into all their who they are and everything. But then I get to once we hit the button and log off of here, I feel inspired as well. It's always like a, it's like a bonus, it's like extra gravy on top. So thank you. It's thank great to be on the journey with you guys. I feel like we are podcasters on the same mission. So it's great. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so really quickly, do you have like a spiritual practice? Like, do you meditate? Do you go jogging in the early morning? What do you, what do you do? Yeah, I try to walk or go or yeah, have some me moment, some alone time for me exercising. And I do mindful right now. I'm doing mindfulness practice, uh, mm -hmm. 10 to 15 minutes every morning before I start my day. And I end mm -hmm. up the day with a, with a short prayer from the Bible. Uh, mm -hmm. and uh, journaling, you know, like a gratitude journal that I like to put even three or four words of what I'm grateful for and, uh, or, you know, my thoughts for the day. Wonderful. So audience members, so she takes time out for herself, uh, being the powerhouse that she is. It's very important to take time out and just spend with yourself in quiet moments. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what she does. And then she practices the mindfulness. Uh, is that sitting still? For you? Um, it's uh, sitting on an upright position. So it's not so much like yoga meditation. I really invite, I mean, if you like the Tammy Simon episode, she's the founder of SoundTrue. I mean, I found in SoundTrue.com so much material yeah, we, that has inspired me. Yeah, uh, we're going to, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so they have guided meditations there that are for free. So, you know, sometimes I go walking and I listen to it. And uh, it's just change. It's the connections it makes to your in your brain are different once you get in the mode of listening to this, even this kind of podcast. You, you, your wiring starts seeing things different, isn't it? Yeah. So I think that that's I want to cook. I, I try to listen to these kind of positive messages. Right. And then uh, you do the journaling, uh, gratitude journaling. I have to try that. I've heard so many people. Uh, that use that practice and I'm just not a journaler <laughs> but but it's very important though to write down what you're thankful for because then you begin to realize that you know what my life is not all that bad like there's a lot of things that I have to be thankful for and build on that momentum yeah. and start Absolutely. manifesting you know even a lot of people say even three words a day um, you know, in a little book, and then you will realize, I mentioned in my last episode that on Thanksgiving, it's really health, you know, it boils down. If we are healthy, you can yeah. do anything else. That's someone so takes cool. that away from us. So you realize yep. that just by having health, we have the biggest gift we could hope for. That's so true. Thank you so much. And my last question is, this is a fun question. And the fun question is, what is your favorite curse word? In Spanish, coño. Yeah, but... <laughs> in any language. In any language. Coño. Yeah. Coño. Oh, coño. You know, wow. which, 
in my defense, for Venezuelans, it's not that bad. That, there's other Latin words uh, <laughs> that is really bad word. But in Venezuela, we say for any, for everything. It's like everything. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's that's the one. In English, you know, no, I don't know. I don't curse too much in English. I guess because when you learn the language, it really sounds like a bad word when you when it's learned like that. <laughs> Right. Well, well, you know what? You are a good English learner because most people who learn English, the first thing that they learn are, are the bad oh, words. Yes. <laughs> well, I know those, but they don't come natural. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. So it's been a very, uh, a, a real treat uh, for me and for both of us, I'm sure. And yeah. really appreciate you uh, just coming oh. on here sharing of yourself and just very inspiring. Thank you Thank so much. Thank you. And you both have an open invitation to Back to Basics if you're ever inclined to. Oh, oh, thank you. Awesome. So we're going to put all of your information in our show notes of how people can contact you, follow you on Instagram, order your book. Um, thank you so much, Leticia, for your inspiration and your empowerment uh, this afternoon. Thank your you great both. Inspiration. Thanks for both for having me. Thank you. You have a beautiful day. I know that there's much more ahead of you. So thank you for oh, carving time out for a little old us. No, no, I loved it. And I admire what you guys are doing as well. It, it's it's great to, to bump into other people with the same, like it, it validates each other. So this has been yeah. really fantastic. And you know, where are you guys based out of? So we, uh, we're in Jersey, but we just moved from New York. Oh, okay. We just moved from Harlem. Oh, yeah. really? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Great, great. Well, yeah. I'm in Miami. If after pandemic times you're ever around this area, uh, you have a friend down here. Oh, beautiful. Oh, wow. And same here. And, Definitely uh, same here. And if you put the video, put, she was having a bad eye day. <laughs> <laughs> but her beauty still shine through. That's my only editing comment. <laughs> Mention that <laughs> that is not normal. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Have you have a afternoon. Thank okay. you. Okay. So bye bye. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram at I am not that underscore podcast. And if you have any questions or any comments of any kind, we'd love to hear from you. That would be our email address is I am not that podcast at gmail.com. I am not that podcast at gmail.com. So, Yes, we'd love to hear from you. Till next time.